This is part two of A Link to the Past. If you didn't listen to part one, go back to nostalgiagoggles.audio, go back to your podcatcher, find that part one, listen to that first, then come back here. On the controls and mechanics notes, I have them. I have notes. I have a lot. Um, and I don't know how exactly we want to do this, but I will, I will posit to you that one way we could do this uh, would be to deconstruct the entire first dungeon and how it's like the best thing ever. We don't have to do that, but yeah, my no, notes are set up in such a way that if you want to do that, I'm prepared to throw down. <laughs> okay, so I, I my notes are not quite set up that way, but the first note that I have, and I definitely want to discuss, which is that everything is present in the first dungeon. It's all there. Everything you need to know to play the game is in the first dungeon. It's all introduced in the first dungeon. They will absolutely build mechanics and build on top of that framework later like they add new stuff in but everything you need all of the base core mechanics they are all there in that first it's the tutorial man it's the tutorial it doesn't feel like it but that's absolutely what it is it's absolutely what it is and there are things that until because i mean I, i without exaggerating i've probably replayed this game 25 or more times in my life and i and oh, I mean, yeah. like cover Certainly. to cover, like started it, finished it, and then went and played other games and then came back, you know, and, and 25 times, like it's a long game, like for that, that much of your life, but it's worth it. Um, but there are things that you just don't really recognize unless you are a, uh, like a games designer or like a professional games reviewer, or if you're two assholes who just started a podcast and you're like, haha, we're professionals now. Um, yeah. Luckily, I'm just one asshole. But fun fact, uh, most people treat the official definition of professional as getting paid to do a thing. And we actually have some very nice people who donate money to us for doing this. So we are actually professional game reviewers. Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't Hmm. think we would get like a writing job with this on our resume, but it would not be perjury to say under oath that we are professional game reviewers <laughs> with this very strict definition. Uh, all of that being said, uh, there are things that I didn't notice until really sitting down to critique the game, right? And I got about, I don't know, five or ten minutes into the opening of Link to the Past before I was like, oh my god, oh my god, this... This is the the tutorial stage of Mega Man X. Like this is this is everything. Mm-hmm. This is everything. It's everything. And and it probably took me ten times longer than it should have to go through that area because I was just writing down like all these like little minute little details. And and I will tell you that it starts before you even think it starts because your your uncle uh uncle he dies. I can't. Claudius. Uh, he dies. Yeah, he dies. Um, un- so Uncle He dies gets. I, I, I was going with Uncle Claudius to get the Hamlet reference. Oh, Claudius. Okay, Claudius yeah. is good. Um, oh, he he dies yeah. is his middle name. I forgot. He it's it's the way he <laughs> Cl- Claudius. Claudi- he, he dies. Uh, yes. <laughs> Ooh, man, that felt that, that fell apart. Um, so, so so your uncle gets the telepathic message and uh, rushes off to to save the princess because, you know, he's from the line of heroes and he's trying to be one. Awesome. Um, 
Yep. You will stay in bed until you, the player, make Link get out of bed. So before Mm. anything has happened, the game communicates to you, like, no, no, this is all on you, buddy. Like, you aren't watching Link's story. You gotta live, you literally have to decide to get out of bed and answer the hero's call. And that's such a tiny little insignificant detail. Like, oh yeah, you mean the character doesn't start moving until I press buttons on the controller? Yes, Jack. That's exactly what I'm saying. Link <laughs> Link will just stay in bed until you press the button to make him get up. And that's, uh, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful little detail. It's amazing. And also, too, it's amazing because it's done without, you know, barrels of text. And it's done without saying, like, would you like to get out of bed? Yes. No. Like, um, Zelda says, you know, oh, like, like, you know, Link, please come save me. It's like, do you agree? Yes. No. It's just like, like, you get the message. And then how do you answer it? By playing the game. You know, like, you literally have to get up and go do something about it. And literally, I was just, as I was playing through it i i was just kind of like uh, it, it's all here i was like uh, and so basically i just i said all mechanics present in first dungeon last doors knocking people off of ledges mini bosses searching bo- searching bushes boss keys pushing blocks pushing blocks into other areas i mean like it's all it's all there you know it, it i mean like they even have a binary choice later where you can do two different things but only one thing is the right thing the other one drops snakes on you i mean it's just it's all it's everything that you need is just it's there and they're just giving it to you a little bit at a time while you're saving Zelda like you're just you're playing the game but it's all and the difference is is it's all straightforward like you go into a room you get the master key you know like or you get you get a key right like that's it like you go in the room you get a key that's it it's not a super big puzzle because they're not trying to use the mechanic to give you a puzzle yet they're just introducing the mechanic you know, so like it's super, super low, low key, super simple, but it is there. It's teaching you everything you need to know to play the game. Absolutely. It well, is. And, and there's little things that because I absolutely I agree with you. Right. And, and there, there's no way around them trying to teach you the more obvious things like keys and enemies and falling. But I was really blown away by the little things and at the risk of, you know, sounding like a, a first-year photography student in college who's like, have you ever noticed the way dust motes float in the sun? It's like, yes, yes, everyone noticed that. Thank <laughs> you. You are not an artist. But uh, here I go. So when you, when you leave Link's house, uh, this is the first, you know, this isn't the first Zelda game. It is the first Zelda game on Super Nintendo. And they were able to do things with this technology that they couldn't do before. And one of the things is that selective Z-axis kind of going up and down stairs. And when you come out of your house, you would think they would have built the house so that the front door would face the walkway, but they didn't. And the reason for that is if you go out of your house and you just hold down, you will actually jump off the little ledge, right? And you can walk to the Mm -hmm. left and then go down the little walkway, but if you don't want to... But you almost certainly won't. Yeah, you almost certainly won't, especially if you are just like in a hurry and you're just like, I got to get out of my house and go after my uncle and you just hold down and you can like jump right off the little ledge. And so 
it's you're you're half a second into gameplay and you've already been taught this brand new mechanic that even if you are an experienced zelda player was not in the earlier games and couldn't be in the earlier games and it's like oh by the way this is gonna matter throughout well and also too i i I agree completely and also too like the the question would be like so there there's the little walkway right which you can absolutely follow but the thing is you know why would you right because <laughs> like hero no and and i well no but what i say that though is it is is to emphasize the point that the only reason why you would follow the walkway is because you don't want to jump off the cliff but that means that you've already recognized that there's a cliff that you can jump That's off true. of you know so real realistically the only people that are going to follow the pathway are people who are at least already passingly familiar with the fact that there is a cliff there you know and so then they already have the information that they need and because this selective z-axis mechanic is really crucial to the way some of the dungeons are designed and the way you interact with certain things in the world if you because i i really feel like this is an intentional thing to have the the door line right up with walking off the little cliff Oh, i agree completely um but it's subtle enough that Someone who's like brand new to video games might just be like, oh, the, there's a little path. That's how I get away from my house. And it might never even occur to them to try and jump off because none of the buttons make you jump, right? So maybe they stood in the house right. and pressed all the buttons. None of the buttons make you jump. So it didn't even occur to them that they could do that. But to get into the first dungeon, you have to move the bush and you have to fall down the hole. And when you do that, you fall into water. Quick side tangent about water. Mm-hmm. That teaches you that water is a thing in the game and it doesn't necessarily automatically kill you. And when you walk through the water, you walk a little bit slower. So right away, you know, falling is a thing. Water is a thing. And there are things that can impede your forward momentum. So like you're not always moving through space at a constant speed. And then later you get the Pegasus boots where you can actually go faster. So some things speed you up, some things slow you down. But then when you get to the end of the hall where uh, Uncle He dies is, you then have to go up a flight of stairs. So it's like sometimes there are things in the world that will like lower your elevation, but then there are other things that will raise your elevation. And it's just it's it you fall down a hole, you walk up a flight of stairs like that doesn't sound like spectacular game design, but you need to know those things to solve puzzles like the puzzle I complained about earlier, right? Like. If you if you didn't know that going upstairs and falling down holes was a thing you could do, you would never, ever, ever be able to beat that puzzle. Right. And that's the thing is that they're they're giving these things to you at a pace that you can very easily handle, you know, and it just it like to us, it, it feels, you know, mundane, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I go and talk to the person. But the thing is that, like, we're. Even even when you look at it from a narrative standpoint, right? So you get the bush out of the way, you go there, you talk to your uncle, your uncle dies. Oh, crap, you know? And so then, like, you're like, okay, well, now I got to go to the next thing. Zelda's still talking to me. So you're kind of, like, in the – they're doing a good job giving you some of the narrative. And to the point where, like, you're even just, like, ignoring the stuff that they're teaching you about the mechanics. But they are – teaching you you know they're teaching you how to interact with the physics of the world so that way they don't dump all of it on you later and then just like each each room in there is teaching something different like the fact that um you know the enemies can be knocked off of ledges i mean that's that that is super important later and also the fact that you can be knocked off of ledges they really hit hard in dungeon three mm-hmm. um well, that's, that's uh, the not, one with the, the little this, squid things right or the first time you see them yeah 
the first time you see him, yeah. Um, so that's super important. But that, they they introduce it here because you know you've got you've got two night dudes, right? And if you swing and hit one of them, there is a solid chance you're just going to knock them off the thing. Like it's is way easier to knock them off that platform than it is to um, actually yes. kill them. Yeah, you know, so it's like, oh, oh, okay, so they they can get knocked off, and then if you get knocked off or fall off because you think like, oh, well, they'll stop me from walking off to into this inky black that is my obvious <laughs> death. Um, you, you're just set back a little bit, you know. And I may be wrong, but I don't even know if you take heart damage in the first one. But either uh, or, I think you do. You know? But when you fall, I think it's only half a heart anyway. Yeah, so you take a, a little bit of damage, and they set you back a little, a little way, saying like, "Hey, okay, try that again." You know, um, doesn't take long, not super damaging, but it, it, it's again, it's it's getting you ready. You know, um, also too uh, in this area, I think that um, it's not really preparing you for much because this doesn't happen super regularly, but like you need to go rescue Zelda, and it would it would be weird for you to rescue her and then for her to like disappear off of the screen and she is the best kind of escort quest in that she is always with you she can't take damage you know she's just she's just yeah, there she interferes you know? in no way right she can she can like uh she'll occasionally talk to you but not in a super obtrusive way not in a hey listen kill yourself none of that um you know, it's just it's 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 nice. It's it's all very well thought out. And for some reason, they created the perfect escort quest here, and then um, games forgot about it for quite some time until the last. Of Us. Oh god, the last so, of Us does it. So, I don't know what that was about. So well. You know, another game that does it incredibly well is uh, Bioshock Infinite, where they literally put text mm. on the screen. I think the character's name is Elizabeth, but it's like it's yeah. it literally says something like. Elizabeth can take care of herself. You should concentrate on what you're doing. And I was just like, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, but yeah. I now apparently they hit the low point of Natasha in uh in Goldeneye. Oh, and then uh <sighs> and then built yeah, and then up it, from then there. it was a slog back up to barely tolerable <laughs> from there. Uh, so uh some of the things that the the rooms teach you cuz you're absolutely right like keys are a thing moving blocks are a thing like puzzles are gonna if you've never played a zelda game we care about puzzles here welcome to puzzle town right so like a lot a lot of what yep. they show you is like the world is something you need to interact with to continue to move through it because puzzles um some of the things that i really liked uh that are more like world building is uh like one of the rooms you go into that has it's like a sewer and it's got water in it and it's got the mice in it, the mice can't go mm -hmm. in the water. That tells you that the terrain does not only screw up Link's life, it also screws up the enemy's lives. Like, the kind of terrain matters to the monsters just the way it matters to you because you're also moving through the world. They're also moving through the world. And, and there's, like, virtually no times in the game when... You're like, haha, I've outsmarted this enemy because there's a rock in the way or something stupid like that. And, it, and it's, a, it's a small thing that doesn't have a massive impact. But the fact that monsters can't freely move about the screen and that they have to interact with the world does occasionally matter. Like the, the, the boss you were just talking about where like you, you know, it's like the sneaky boss and you hit it. And it's like if you mm -hmm. you bounce off yeah. him sometimes and you fall and you got to start over. Um, mm -hmm. That 
boss's floor plan has a hole in the middle. And if you Mm -hmm. run around the outside of the hole to get away from him and he collides with it, that will force him to reverse direction. It would not be fun if Link could fall in the hole, but the monster could just magically act like the hole wasn't there, right? So there's little places, even though they're not huge game changers, there are little places where you're like, I'm going to jump behind this rock so that this thing, you know, the jumpy spider avoids me or whatever. And it's like, because the rock is really there. It's not just there as a set piece or a matte painting. Like I can't walk over the rock and neither can the enemy. I can't, you know, ignore this hole. Neither can the boss. Like it's just that kind of consistency of basically the physics engine or or whatever you might want to call it. It's just, it makes everything feel more cohesive. Oh, absolutely. And I, um, like it's it's kind of equivalent of like the first time in Skyrim when you see you know a dragon who's trying to give you the business, and then like you run into a giant's den, and you're like, well, now these two both are going to gang up and beat the crap out of me, and then they end up fighting each other. You know, it was like that kind of a leap. You know, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, so you know, or a, a great example would be like, you know, bullet even Super Mario bullet bills in Super Mario, they'll pass through mm. stuff. You know. Like stuff that impedes you. Zelda's telling you, no, this game isn't like that. You know, like there are other games that do stuff like that, and that's fine. But our game, everything interacts with everything. Also, um, worth noting is um, one of the things that they do that is not super intuitive, or it wouldn't be, except for the way that they introduce it, which is the um, braziers that you. Uh, that you light on fire. Oh yes. Right? Yeah. It's uh that's one of Zelda's few lines of dialogue. Where she says, She's like, like, Oh, do you have a lantern? It's dark in here. Well, I think she says that, but does she tell you like that you can light those things up? Uh, I don't think she explicitly says that. Cause like, here's the thing is that, you know, like the, the reason why I, I bring this up is because one, you'll walk into a room where it's just completely dark. So, you know, Zelda gives you a line of like, you can do something about mm. this, you know? Like, you've got a lantern, right? So you equip your lantern, you use it, and it goes, and then nothing happens, right? So you're like, well, I was told I could do something about this, right? So you wander around, and then, like, you, you find, one, like, like an a item that looks different than anything else you've seen up until this point, right? And it's really the only thing that you can interact with in the room. And then you've only got, at that point, one item in your inventory that you can interact with stuff with, you know? So you're like, well two and two now if that if that had been introduced later in the game like after you've got the boomerang after you've got the hook shot after you've got after 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 that'd be a bit of a nightmare because you'd be like trying everything on it it's like i've got one thing to do this is the first dark room i've ever been put into and zelda doesn't say like hey listen use you know like use your lantern on the brazier in the corner she says hey you have agency here you don't have to deal with this Figure it out. Hero. Now figure it out. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, so you're less like, so so just things like that where they leverage, they leverage how few items you have to, to you know, give you like a little bit of a starker learning curve at that point in time because they're like, well, now's the time to do this, you know? Whereas later on, they probably have to tell you like, you can use the lantern here because you've got like 50 other things in your inventory. You don't want to be like, Using the what is it the the rod of whatever to like oh the yeah the, the red one that makes blocks yeah to like block 
I don't know what to do. You know? Yeah, there, there so. are there are only a handful of places in the game where I would say the conveyance is not awesome. Um, the rod of question mark blocks is is definitely one of them. Um, another one is actually bombs because you go through the whole first dungeon, which teaches you all the things, including showing you what bomb destructible walls typically look like which is a mechanic they intentionally subvert later and i love hate it because there are a couple <laughs> dungeons where it's like oh hey there's a uh, 15 bomb walls over there and you're like place place wait place wait place wait place because you can only have two down at a time so you have to, you know, waste half your friggin' inventory to to blow up all these walls, and then lo and behold, none of them were actually destructible. And I, I sort of love that they kind of dick around with you a little bit in, in the second half of the game. Um, but in the first half of the game, you see those two spots that you can blow up if you had bombs, but you don't have bombs, and it's it's doing right. two things. It's telling you there's a weird thing about the wall you should notice. And two, once you know what that thing is, maybe come back here and see what's in there, right? And the the thing that I'm saying is like not amazing. I'm not sure that it's amazing conveyance is I cannot for the life of me remember how you are taught how bombs work. Where are you actually mm. shown that bombs can blow up a wall? I'm not sure, but um, I will say that you get bombs early enough that I think that the conveyance of like, you know, you've got like three things in your inventory, right? I mean, like maybe the boomerang at that point, the boomerang, the lantern and bombs, right? And you've got a wall that looks clearly different than the rest of the wall. I don't think it's too much of a leap to say, hey, Take a swing, you know, like that, that. It's like, well, I mean, even if you just tried all of the things that you have in your inventory, you know, to interact with it, bombs would be one of them, you know? Yeah. I'll, no, I'll grant you that where it's you, you have been shown that experimentation is a thing you must do in this world to survive. And you have a few enough number of tools that trying literally just trying everything is not out of the question right i mean that's the thing is that that's one of the reasons why i like the bomb destructible walls is because you know if you go up to it and you say like oh wow this wall looks different and weird light it on fire no all right and then you're just like hmm that was weird it just creates like this kind of like like dissonance in your mind of like i don't like that i don't like that 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 was obviously like a weird thing but i couldn't do anything about it and then later on you get bombs you're like you learn that you can destroy walls it, they're, they're not only telling you like hey there are going to be times when you can't get to everything right now you'll get to it later and then get to it later like backtrack like backtracking is a thing where you'll want to come back to certain areas when you have certain items you know and stuff like that um you know, I think I, I, I like that because it, it's it's very important because that's one of the main things with Zelda is that like you'll go to an area and you can do 70 percent of the stuff. And you come back later and you can do like 90 percent of the stuff and then you come back later and you can do all of the stuff. And oh, man, it's just so satisfying when you can do all of the stuff <laughs> when you're like, yeah, all all of the stuff that held me up before you got nothing now. I'm coming when, for you. And it's 
it's done in a way where you don't feel like you are constantly like, oh, remember the place where I can only do 70% of the stuff? Now I got to go back there. You're like excited. You're like, oh, I got a new item. That means, yes. you know, I got the hammer. I can go back to Kakariko Village where I saw those friggin' pegs and I'm going to hammer the crap out of them. Like, you, you don't feel like you're backtracking because you sort of have a sense of ownership over the whole world. Like, everywhere in the world is somewhere I'm supposed to be able to go if I want to. And sometimes that means I need the Zora feet. Sometimes that means I need bombs. Sometimes it means I need the mirror so I can go between dark world and light world. But you never feel like I need to go down this hallway this one and only time. And I'm only going to ever do this after I get this one item one time. And I really don't want to just have to make this trip a second time just because I don't have the stupid item I need to go down this hallway this one and only time. And there are definitely parts in the game that are like that, but they don't feel that way. They never feel like, you know, you're just wasting my time by making me make this extra trip. Instead, you're always like, ah, big dark colored rock. I'll be back with a gold glove and then I'll show you. Well, and I think that the main difference is that aside from maybe once or twice in the game, none of the... None of that stuff is required to complete it. It just gets you, like, you get rewarded for it. You even get, like, like you know, sometimes, most of the time they give you, like, a, a, a small, you know, a portion of a, a piece of a heart. A quarter right? heart. Yeah. Yes, a quarter of a heart. Um, and, and, you know, like, that's, like, that, the generic, that, that would be, like, that would be you, like you one did a chamber, thing. Now that I think about it. Hmm. No, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um. But anyways, uh, but, you know, so that's like the generic, like, you know, hey, you, you, you came back with the new stuff, the new hotness. You solved the puzzle. Good job. Here's a piece of heart. Sometimes, though, you get like amazing swag. And then you're like, yes, no, I got like this like cape. And I don't you never need the cape to beat the game. You can go the whole game without being without having the cape. But some places are super easier. And this brings me to something that I absolutely want to talk about, which is Zelda does game difficulty right <laughs> so there there are a lot of different ways that you can alter the difficulty in a game the most common one that you see especially in modern games is a difficulty select screen at the start of the game right so that's fine that's better than nothing you know um and some games will actually let you modify the game difficulty in situ which i will totally admit to at sometimes in skyrim <laughs> like getting my butt handed to me and being like oh you think you're big and then like knocking it down to fantasy mode, slapping them around. Yeah. Oh, you think you're big? I happen to be friends with God. Yes. <laughs> so all of that's true. Um, but but the thing is that there have been many, many studies and, and, and just people themselves can attest to it where a game difficulty setting at the beginning of the game doesn't really do what you want it to because most of the people who will want to play on normal because either A, they have pride wrapped up in it somehow, or B, they think that that's the way the game is supposed to be experienced, you know? So some people who maybe should be playing on easy or very easy mode will play on normal mode. And you're more likely to get frustrated and quit than you are to lo go lower the difficulty. And, you know? and it is a and little then, bit experience breaking when the game is like, hey, hey, champ, that's the fourth time in a row you flubbed it. Maybe, uh... 
maybe you're not as good at this as you thought, right? Like that really pulls you out of it. Oh yeah, and in fact, it can actually create a uh, a, a, a antagonistic relationship between the player and the game when you do things like say like. Hey, buddy, you want the superstar so you can just like not have to deal with this anymore, champ? You're like, oh, no. now, And so then you're more likely to play the game past the point of being fun because the game's placating you. <laughs> and then the one of the other ones that's better but way worse the player figures out about it is if they just mod the difficulty under the hood without telling you, you know? Because yeah, that's um, that's like it, the bad version of like coyote physics where it's like, uh, you kind of yeah. suck at this. So we're just going to like make it a lot easier, which is fine until you find out about it, in which case you are likely to put down the game mm-hmm. forever. Now, let's talk about Zelda. There is an easy mode in Zelda, and I believe we both played the game on easy mode. The easy mode in Zelda is getting all of the all stuff. All, this, all right? the hearts, all the swords, all the armors. I mean, technically, it's almost impossible to miss the armor, but all the stuff... Yeah, getting all of the stuff, getting the getting the weapon upgrades, getting the armor upgrades, getting the shield upgrades, getting all of your special item upgrades, getting all the heart containers, all of that stuff makes the game easier, makes it substantially easier. Getting all the bottles, you know, like all of these things make the game easier. So if you want to play Zelda in easy mode, all you have to do is just get all the stuff. But the thing is, you feel successful, smart and cunning for putting the game on easy mode. You know, and you don't have to. If you want to play the game on hard mode, you absolutely can. You just make a beeline for all the story stuff, and you know, like it's it, you can absolutely do it that way. It's harder, so you can totally play the game on hard mode. You can actually mod the difficulty up so you don't like ever pick up heart containers, and you play through, you know, as 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 close to beginning Link as humanly possible. You can do all these things. You are allowed to mechanically alter the difficulty mode, which is a is a brilliant way to handle difficulty in a game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a monkey wrench in this because I I absolutely and no question agree with you. The one difference between a literal setting the player can change in like Skyrim or Fallout, because uh, I've never oddly enough, I've never played Skyrim, but they have the exact same mechanic in Fallout. Um and the way they handle it in Zelda is the arrow only moves one direction in Zelda. Once you get the better armor and the better sword, you can never go back. Once you pick up a bunch of heart containers, mm. you can, I mean, you could stop letting your hearts fill up, but like you technically can't go back. Right. So the, I mean, the sword, as we mentioned, makes an unreal difference in how much damage you do. And you can never re-equip a crappy sword. And I don't think it would be, I don't think it's wholly inappropriate to say once the hero has these superior pieces of equipment available to him, you can't depower him because Link wouldn't do that. Link is trying to save the princess and throwing his magical fairy sword in the bin so that he can use his crappy starting (laughs) butter knife is not something he would do. So there's a little part of me that's like, well, yeah, once he becomes more powerful, it doesn't make sense that the arrow would move in the other direction. But in most RPGs, yes, you can, in fact, unequip your your more powerful stuff. So I guess my, my toss back to you would just be, uh, do you think that the fact that the game only moves from harder to easier in any way changes your, your argument? No, I still think, I think, I think that it's, I, my, my argument is, 
being able to alter the difficulty mechanically is superior to a out of game choice right so that being said i think that that zelda still does a great job with it i I do believe you make a fair point with like you should theoretically in in the most ideal of games be able to mod it back in the other direction um but i think then i i i think that that's just an improvement that zelda could have made you know i mean and Um, and, i think that's they did go on to do that because in breath of the wild you actually can change what you have equipped Exactly. So, I mean, like, you know, lesson eventually learned. I mean, and even in, like, Fallout, where, you know, when you get, like, all of the best armor ever, you can just take it off if you want to, like, you know, raise the difficulty up to super hard or whatever you want to do, you know? I mean, so later games um, have definitely improved upon it, but I think that this may be one of the first games that I know of where, you know, it, it, or at least it was, it, it went, it's certainly one of the first adventure RPGs. You know, like said, like, hey, listen, we're not going to make you select a difficulty or anything like that. You know, just, just, just play the game, play. You know, get all of the stuff, and then, and then that makes it easier, which makes you feel cunning and smart for making the game easier, not like placating. Yeah, absolutely, and and to the point where, when you, I like, I, I assume you had a similar experience. When I, by the time I got to Ganon, and he was like, "Haha, I'm a giant pig monster, and I have like this." fork for reasons i was like you you know you are literally just like an item on my to-do list today right like you you (laughs) are in no way a threat to me at all period and it's important that you know that because yeah i need you to know you think that you're like fighting for the future of hyrule and in fact i just want to get home for dinner right so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like and but but it, I didn't feel you wouldn't feel that way if you had just turned the game down to easy, right? Or if you started a new game on very easy baby mode, like you would get to the end and even if it was that trivial to win, you would just be like, "Well, yeah, I've got it on very easy." But when you had to earn right. the power that allows you to slap him around like he's asking for it, then it doesn't feel like you set the game to very easy. It just feels like you are powerful. And that's how it's supposed to feel. Like, like that's exactly what right. you should be feeling. Well, it's that you're powerful because you have made, by virtue of your cunning and skill, you have become powerful. You've earned the power as opposed to just like flipping a setting on on the thing where you're just kind of like, oh, well, now there's no challenge. And now I'm just, you know, a walking, talking God. But yeah, no, I definitely, by the time I got to the end, um, <laughs> although I, I think um, I mentioned this to you, but basically what, what had happened to me was not Ganon himself. I I, I, I beat him and made ba- bacon out of his corpse. But <laughs> um, Ganon's power, on the other hand, um, I got about two-thirds of the way through it and then just, like, died. And one of the interesting mechanics that they do is that fairies automatically res you, which is sweet. But they only give you about seven hearts. It's not that you know? much. It's it's so, for people who like to take no. more risks. Yeah, no, especially when you're playing it super fast and loose like I was. So, um, so I went through. I you know burned through all of my fairies, and I ended up running out of magic like you know a third of the way through, and that was causing me some difficulty. So I was like, <sighs> okay. So I played my magical ocarina, got my duck to take me <laughs> to the. <laughs> to the witch am i having a stroke (laughs) anyways so 
Um, played my ocarina to, t- to get my duck to fly me to the witch, where I went into her store and dropped about eight hundred rupees on blue potions. Oh, oh my! And I was like, "Oh yeah, no." And I, all of a sudden, I realized I'm like, uh, "I have made a not insubstantial investment in this run through. Like, I need to make sure that I don't like, you know, do something stupid and like blow through all of my potions or." Yeah, you know, whatever. You, you are not and, at Ganon's uh, Tower to faff about. You are there f- for bit bitness. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, and, and and I did, and I got, and I got through, and I beat Aghanim Two Electric Boogaloo, and uh, you know, got, got, you know, got all the good stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely, uh, definitely a little bit more stressful. When all of a sudden, I was like, oh man, I had nine hundred ninety nine rupees. Now I've got one hundred ninety nine rupees, and I've got. <laughs> I got 199 problems and only having 199 rupees was all of them. them. (laughs) (laughs) So I I want to talk about a specific mechanic they teach you in the first dungeon. Um, Not just to make light of it, because I think it's kind of funny, but I think it's an interesting choice that the, the developers definitely explicitly had to make, which is, you know, there's like, there's the room that you can only get out of when you push a block and then there's the room you can only get out of when you have a key. And then there's the room you can only get out of when you've murdered everyone. And mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting choice early in the game to expose the player to that notion. Like, hey, you can't be a pacifist and beat this game. Like, you need to understand that under no circumstances can you reason with Ganon. That's not a thing we're going to let you do. Yeah. You're going to kill him and you're going to kill a ton of people between here and there. And at, at first, mm-hmm. like w- when that mechanic first occurred to me, I was like, huh, it's weird that some of the doors are unlocked by murder. But then it it's, I don't know how you keep your doors locked in your house, but <laughs> it's, um, it's like a, a, a 1980s sci-fi keypad with, you know, like the numbers. And then star and pound. Oh, yeah. that's 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 good. That's good. I mean, that's decent security. But I I prefer my murder doors. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, much. if you have you know uh, dark world knights protecting them, then obviously nothing can go wrong with that. But here's the thing: when they first expose you to this mechanic, it just feels a little bit video gamey. Like this was one of the few things that when I noticed this mechanic was happening and like literally made note of it. I was like, Oh, okay. So like the doors in this room are magically sealed with what? Like their blood or something. I don't know. It's like a video gaming thing. I have to kill everybody in the room, but then later, and it's still a video gaming thing, but then in some of the later dozen dungeons, there are rooms where like there are spikes and you have to kill all the enemies to make the doors open or the floor is moving or there are little yep. faces that when you swing your sword, the little face like shoots like some some hurt at you, right? And then there's literally like one or two rooms in the whole game that like the floor is moving, there's pits, there's spikes, and there's shooty things whenever you swing your sword. And the only way you can get out of that room is to kill all the enemies. So even though the doors are locked by like blood magic is a little bit of a video gamey thing in a, in a game that is not overwhelmed with that kind of stuff. Most of the things in link to the past do not pull you out of the experience and remind you you're playing a video game. Um, 
even though that mechanic is very video gamey, they use it to tremendous effect where there are puzzles that are very yes. hard and that are very interesting and, and have so much of your attention that even though there's this super video gamey mechanic, kill everyone, you don't have right. the luxury of focusing on it because what you're trying to do is challenging. Yes, and I think that it's an important it, it is it is video gamey, but I think that it is an important difference in kind. Um, because you know, like they like you said, like they have, you know, um puzzles where you have to find a key, puzzles where you like do a series of things and like can get to a button where it unlocks, and then the kill everybody puzzle. And if all of the puzzles were the first two types, I think the the dungeons would feel stagnant. If there were like rooms where there were bad guys, but like every single room, you know, like could be gotten out of by, you know, it was like a mental puzzle as opposed to the 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 dynamic puzzle, the the quick reaction puzzle of beating everybody in the room. Um, I think it would be uh, it would definitely change the pacing of the game substantially. And I think that, uh, you know, it it's the the dynamic nature of the puzzles of like like running around, finding ins and outs and, you know, like like doing all that is, is definitely interesting and another great example of being able to play the game on easy mode because once i got the bombos <laughs> medallion like those were my sandbox i i i played those those dungeon areas if i fucking wanted to you know <laughs> like it was my choice because the minute i grew weary of their their attempts their laughable attempts to try to stop me from getting where I wanted to go. I ended their lives com- summarily and completely. Yeah. Uh, I think because I'm a hero, you <laughs> see, and that's what heroes do. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I didn't, for some reason in all of my many, many playthroughs of this game, I was never a heavy magic user of like the, the medallion magic, um, except mm-hmm. those green penguin things with the white eyes and the terrifying teeth inside their beaks, I kill them with the kind of prejudice that you normally have to write on your character sheet when you choose to play a ranger. Like, like (laughs) those things are the stuff of childhood nightmares. I mean, they just, the the white eyes, beaks with teeth are not a thing that should be allowed to happen. And so when I go into a room and I see those things, if it is not immediately obvious to me how I will pin them all in a corner and master sword them to death, then out comes the medallion. Cause I'm just, it, it's, it's like, I'm having like a panic attack. I'm just like, no, no, no. And then, and, no, no, and no. then from their point of view, this like kid with pink hair comes into the room and they're like, ah, let's get them boys. And then suddenly all the air is on fire. Yes. No. And actually I have a fun, uh, little Bombos medallion story from this game to tell because, um, so the minute, the very moment I got the Titan's mitt, I, I left the dungeon because I knew by <laughs> virtue of having the Titan's mitt, I could get the tempered master sword. So I was like, yeah, no, that's fine. Maiden, uh, all that can wait. I've got, I've got sharper swords to get. So I went, uh, got the frog dude, brought him over, turned him back into a human by virtue of being back turned in the back light world. And they were like, Hmm. It, fair enough um and so uh so then they they had a nice heartfelt reunion i'm like ah fix my sword and uh and so i and they're like all right well it's gonna it's gonna take a hot minute i'm like all right sure here's my sword and so i just like went walking about the countryside you know like yeah whatever man i'm just getting my my sword honed i was like i'll just check this area out whatever you know this 
Gonna stab that. Definitely yeah. gonna stab that so one. It, yeah, it's like, oh man, just like, like staring like like a child waiting at Christmas, <laughs> you know, just like all of the amazing things that I was gonna stab. I mean, it was just gonna be so great. But then I got like beset on all sides by bad guys, and I was just kind of like, all right. And and so I was already like a little low on health, you know. So I was like, this is it, man. You know what? No better time to use a Bombos medallion than right now. And so I waited until they got close and closer. And they should see the fire in my eyes. And I pulled out the Bombos medallion and realized that you have to have the Master Sword to activate that yes, item. And then I got eaten alive. <laughs> With the the womp womp of me hitting the button and hearing bomb. I'm like, nope, you can't use that item. I was like, what? And then just... I got devoured, and which is funny because then I respawned and then went to the dwarves, and they're like, yeah, your sword's done, which is great because then when you asked me, how long does it take for them to temper their, their swords again? I think I was like, well, it takes one of my lifetimes <laughs> because I died in order to get them to finish up with my swords. I don't actually know how much in-game time it takes. Yeah, it's uh, it's another just beautiful attention to detail because – the the little animation to use the medallions involves your sword, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're magic medallions. Like they could absolutely yeah. just let you use them without the sword equipped, but it's way funnier to be like, Hey, <laughs> if you want to get your sword tempered, you're going to have to like walk around the world for a minute without it. Like y- if you want to yeah. be stronger, you get to see what it is for a minute to be helpless. Or, you yeah, know, I mean, I mean you still the have the like, bow and blah, 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 but. Yeah, I mean, there, there's still ways to do it. So they don't, like, completely hamstring you, you know. But at the same point in time, you know, they do take away, like, your most powerful weapons and be like, hey, it's time for the B team. You know, <laughs> like, just you, you use all of those all of those weapons that you're like, ah, I never need those weapons. Well, now you should be using those weapons. Those weapons are important now. So let's talk about a mechanic change that they got right in my favorite Zelda game and then done screwed up in your favorite Zelda game, which is uh, when you do talk to people, it's usually like a gigantic wall of text. And then at the end of that gigantic wall, and every single maiden, every maiden has a gigantic wall of text for you, which is totally fine. Like, been stuck in this crystal you want to talk for a minute i i get it i get it you've been lonely but uh at the end of the gigantic wall of text when they say um i know you haven't been reading any of this but do you just want to keep playing the game it defaults to the yes i just want to keep playing the game option which is no i don't need you to repeat that in fact i think the way they pose it to you is do you understand what i just told you and it and and it, and defaults, it defaults to, to yes. yes. Whereas in Ocarina of Time, to be fair, hey, to be fair, in Ocarina of Time, it also defaults to yes. <laughs> but the question is, would you like me to repeat that? Which is highly yeah. unfortunate. Subtle change, but it made you know it, it's the change that launched a thousand angry nerds. Like it's you, you cannot well, I, go from I, default opt out to default opt in without it being very, very problematic. Or, or vice versa. Oh, I do not know anybody who owns Ocarina of Time and has not woven Michelangian tapestries above their room of the profanity that just would happen when you'd be talking to that dumb owl 
and he'd be like, hey, man, you want to want to talk to me some more? It's like, I didn't want to talk to you the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wants to talk to you. And that poor lonely owl is like, look, man, I mean, like, just just you want to hang out, man. I've got I've got all of this guacamole at my house that I made for you. You want to you want to come eat some of it? It's like, no, I don't want your guacamole. You leave me alone. No, I did not get that thing you sent me. Uh, so <laughs> I have I have a couple questions for you, because I think. Out of the two of us, you definitely remembered this game better than I did. And out of the two of us, you are definitely the more seasoned Zelda veteran than I am. So I, I want to ask, uh, well, first, a, a simple one. Um, every time you beat a boss, did you try and mm-hmm. catch the pendant or the crystal? Right? Yes. Yes, I mean, obviously. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm human. Okay. And, and <laughs> what would you say your success rate is? I would say mine was up there like i'm gonna say like 85 90 percent yeah i'd say i was pretty i was pretty pretty good at it because to be fair like not only did i try to catch it but i tried to catch it in a way that i was also dead center in the screen you know so that's kind of how i was measuring my success and and it's so to me like my success rate was like 10 percent because that's really Mm. like yeah you know really hard to do but i mean like again you know it's just kind of like the the you know like dumb 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 little things that you judge yourself for you're like oh man you see no i'm am i in this no i'm not in the center of the screen am i but but yeah no you always try to catch the crystal man got it um so here's an actual serious question uh i've played this game many many times you've played this game many many times and there were a couple of times where there was like a mechanic in a dungeon or a thing out in the overworld and I, I did the thing because I knew I was supposed to do the thing, but it actually gave me pause where I was like, how would I have figured that out if I didn't already know yeah. that? And and I'm not convinced that uh, these things are undiscoverable or that they are, are not communicated in some way, but I'm now so separated from the first time I played this game as a kid that it is impossible for me to accurately deconstruct. And and one of the best examples I could give you is in uh, the, the first crystal cave, um, the first dungeon in the, the dark world, uh, there's a statue and you have to shoot it in the eye with an arrow to make a hallway open up. And mm. the only clue I'm cognizant like i'm 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 aware of in my foremind is that the statue is of the the cyclops enemy type that you normally defeat with arrows so yes is there literally no other hint or implication that this is how you're supposed to proceed because otherwise shoot this statue of an enemy that looks like an enemy doesn't feel like a really strong clue no, there are definitely some areas where, like you said, like it is difficult for me, having played it so many times, to disintegrate my foreknowledge of the game. Um, that being said, though, I mean, getting stuck on levels in video games was absolutely a thing back in the day. <laughs> yes. You know, like, yeah. So, like, we just be like, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You know, so. Um, I, I personally think, though, that one of the things that I did this time, because I don't have, like, a perfect crystalline memory of this, <laughs> right? But basically, what I would do is when I would enter a room where I'd be like, okay, this is this is the dead end, right? This is the new, the new room, right? I would be like, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have to leave this room without accomplishing something, mm. you know? 
And so with that in mind, that mindset, like normally, even after having, you know, like in the in the rooms where I did not I couldn't remember what to do, like that was like enough, you know, but there, I, I think the example for me was there's a room. I don't know. I think it's the water temple. Um, but where basically there's a waterfall that you have to walk behind. Ooh, yes. That is, that is another one that is and not I, really very obvious. No. Um, it, no, it's super not. Uh, but in areas like that, too, um, it's helpful to rely on the map. Well, and in you know? that area, which, there is a monster that comes through a different waterfall, which I guess is supposed right. to be your signal that waterfalls are a thing you can pass through sometimes. Right. But I mean, to be fair, though, I think that, you know, games are always going to I mean, all, all, all games, even even modern games are going to, you know, if the, if it's a puzzle based game, they can err on one of two sides, either making challenging puzzles and, you know, making some that are way too easy or challenging puzzles and making some that are way too hard, you know. Um, and I think that Zelda, most of the puzzles are in that like sweet spot of like this is challenging, you know. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, modern Zelda games up until Breath of the Wild, like, they they started to err on the other side of it, and it's super disappointing because it's just a slog then at that point because you're like, all right, well, I need to move thing A to thing B to thing C, and now I got through this room. Okay, now I do this, 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 and now I get to the next room. It's just kind of like a a series of things to be done, you know? Whereas in Link to the Past, there were definitely some areas where I was like, I don't know if that was perfectly telegraphed, but... To be fair, you know, I mean, especially for the one, the uh, the the one you're talking about is is pretty early on, and so again, your inventory is pretty small. So you know, it's just kind of like, all righty, well, what can I do in this room? It's like, oh, well, I normally kill those things with arrows. Let me see if I can kill this one with an arrow, and then you shoot the arrow at it, and it'll open up the thing. Yeah, you know, and it's that puzzle is is just sly enough that knowing the answer makes it hard to remember what it was like to discover the answer. Right. No, I agree with that. Like, I, I would definitely say that if I met somebody on the street and they said, like, that puzzle wasn't telegraphed well enough, I'd be like, I, I honestly can't dis- disintegrate myself from the, the game well enough to to properly critique it. Because it's like, I just, I've known the answer for so long. You know, it's just kind of like somebody saying, like, well, um, how did you think the way you learned arithmetic went? I'm like, dude, I don't, I can't remember a time when I didn't know arithmetic. So good, I guess. I mean, I know it now, so I have to assume good, you know, but it, I mean, if somebody said like, well, I think it sucks. It's like, then maybe it sucks. I don't know. So um, I do think, so there are a couple of notes I definitely wanted to, to touch on that aren't like major talking points, but just like cool little stuff, right? This game is, there are no major talking points. This is a mountain of small, really smart decisions. Yes, absolutely. Um, so first of all, um, there's a number of places, uh, especially in the death, death mountain area, but where they use cliffs for quick backtracking that, um, but, but punish you if you did one, you didn't mean to do that. That is true. And that, that does suck. But, um, but you know, the nice thing is that, you know, as opposed to having you back, like you complete a thing and now you have to backtrack all the way through some BS. It's just kind of like, no, you just jump off this one cliff and you get where you need to go. And particularly in, uh, I think it's the sixth dungeon, like the, the, the second, the the dungeon before it's it's another one where you have to go outside. 
Right. But here's the awesome thing that I thought was super clever, right? Is so you go outside, right, briefly on Death Mountain in mm-hmm. the Dark World, right? And you go back inside. Now, if you die in the dungeon, you know what happens? Mm-hmm. You now respawn, but you respawn where you entered the dungeon, which is on like the fourth floor or whatever. So it's basically a save point. But here's the downside, which is that you need a wealth of magic in order to, or not a wealth of magic, uh, you, if you need a wealth of health to beat the big bad, right? You know, but you blew all your health because you died, right? So you have no no fairies, no nothing, right? If you go to the light world on that ledge, it leads you into a fairy fountain. Uh, so you can replenish man, all your fairies and then go try like again. That is just so good. It's just so, yeah. it's just so no, it's, smart. Like, uh, okay, so... I feel bad because actually to <laughs> to explain to you why this is so recently near and dear to my heart, I unfortunately have to talk about a different video game. So uh, go for Super it. Mario Odyssey, um, the last boss, uh, there's a, a thing in Super Mario Odyssey that's like a heart with a crown on it. And I've been affectionately calling it the yeah. king heart. And that's how you go from three health pie slices to six health pie slices. And it, bugged the hell out of me that if you die when you're fighting bowser the last time there's nowhere nearby to get one of those and and you can buy them in the store so you have to like go back to your ship get on the freaking ship fly back to earth because you're on the moon go to a store buy a king heart fly back to the moon walk back up to where bowser is and then fight him again and i was like you know this game is so breathtakingly thoughtful in every little detail it is mind-boggling that they screwed this up and susan had to sit through this long string of me complaining about this (laughs) and then uh she was behind me by a good bit and then when she got to bowser i was watching her play and she was like oh by the way um right outside where you fight bowser if you just kick this rock there's a king heart and literally as she's saying if you just kick this rock i was like there's a king heart in there because of course there is because of course right. they did not get to the very last encounter of the game and forget everything that they had just done to build this amazing game experience. And I didn't have the problem you're describing that they were, they were designing against in that, that second to last uh, crystal cave, but it does not shock me at all that they would have thoughtfully put that there because they know they made you go outside and making you go outside changes the spawn point and having to weave your way back through death mountain just because you need to get some more fairies would not be fun. And they want this game right. to be It'd fun. Be... Yes, no, absolutely. And the thing is that it's just built so nicely into the world because the first time you find that fairy fountain, you're like, Oh, Hey, a fairy fountain. This is kind of neat. You know, and then like, it's like, mm, yeah, it is. It is. It's totally neat. But it's also a part of this other thing, which is is really clever. One of the other things that they did that I didn't, I, I noticed it as a kid, but I didn't notice it as like a game design thing. And I'm like, oh, no, it's pretty brilliant. Have you noticed that like 90% of all of the surfaces slope? Like, like, so what I mean by that is that like, for example, you know where the Octorox mm-hmm. are, right? You know how there are those like little mountain mm-hmm. dealies? Right. You, have you noticed how like they're all like cut into like basically octagons, not squares, right? And how like most surfaces are kind of like that? Because when you're dashing around, you don't slam into stuff, you slide off of stuff, which doesn't decrease your forward momentum because that would be 
frustrating and yes, take forever. I see what you're saying now, and I noted, and I don't know how prevalent this is, but I did notice that several times where you do slam into a straight wall, it's usually because you need to be walking and not running. And if you had continued to run, you would have died or gotten hurt. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, they specifically say like like once you get the the dash boots, right? You let you dash around all over the place. They'll just, you can just basically dash from one side of the screen to the other pretty much whenever you want. You know, if you enter the screen, you hit dash, you will dash unimpeded to the end. But like you said, unless doing so will hurt you, in which case they'll have you slam into something first. And I just never really noticed that. But it's just it's very, very rare for you to be slamming around. But like all literally, if they didn't have all of the surfaces sloping like that. It'd be happening all the time, which would almost render the dash boots meaningless and and at, at least or frustrating at worst, you know? The other thing about the sloping is that the world would look really weird if it only had 90 degree angles. And in the original Zelda, where all of the, the shoreline is like a perfect right angle and all of everything is like, <laughs> right, or, or it's a 45 degree angle, like you just kind of deal with it. Um, but this with like much higher fidelity graphics like it would be really weird if every bit of shoreline and every rock and everything had perfect right angles and was perfectly square it would just it would feel clunkier so not only does it uh, mechanically fit the pegasus boots which make a larger world easier to explore but it also just looks more right like it would be it would be super weird to not do it that way Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, and a couple of story notes is one, um, <laughs> the, the, I know that's the seven crystal maidens and, you know, like you got to stop getting all this sort of stuff, but on about the fifth one, like, you know, you catch the crystal and the main comes out and I'm like, no, I get it. The princess is in another <laughs> castle. Like, <laughs> like, shut up toad. Um, <laughs> uh, I was a little, okay. This is, this is super petty. But I was a little miffed because um, uh, at the end, you put the Master Sword back in the plot, mm. right? I left that Master Sword in way better condition than I found it. <laughs> so the next hero of time or whatever, better respect because, like, <laughs> that Master Sword is way more powerful than the one I picked out of there. I'm like, hey, look, I'm a good Master Sword host. I return can, these items in better condition than I found them because I'm a good person like that. No, I, I like that because I think, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you are going to later go on to play other Zeldas and and you yeah. want to believe that when you get the Master Sword, you're like, is, is this the one I powered up? No, 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 it's not. No, no. All right. I, I guess. Um, and also too, I just, I, I just want, I, dude, flute guy bums me out, man. He make, it makes me so sad. Like, like the whole flute guy storyline, yeah, you know? Yeah, well, you know, okay. So you, uh, you were ahead of me for mo- most of our playthrough of this. So, you know, we were like gushing and chatting and you mentioned to me mm-hmm. how incredibly sad his story is, but I think it's kind of bittersweet sad because it's, it's melancholy well, it's, because it's, yeah. the, the kid like isn't disappear forever and nobody knows what happens to him he like returns to nature sort of he becomes a tree yeah but no i mean like it, he does no i mean it's definitely not like just like sad for the sake it's not fry's dog sad it's um thing is fry's dog it's, uh, sad. it's it's 
It's it's Fry's uncle's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ooh, you like that one-two punch? You're welcome. My heart. <laughs> but um, but no, because especially because I like it because um, you know, first of all, like when when the flute guy's first introduced, right? You know, like you wind up to him and he's like playing his little song, and he just like disappears. You know, like weird questions for later, and you move on, right? And then you go into the dark world, and he's like, dude, man, I had this flute. And uh, it's gone. Like, you're like, oh, you dude, you're the flute dude. All right, that's cool. And you go and you find it and you pick it up. And then like he's like, yeah, no, man, like I, I can't use it anymore. But you use it. But let me, let me just hear it one more time. And then like it's one of the two times in the game when you play the whole song, you know. And that that to me is just because like and and, and when you play it to summon your duck. Um, you know, it plays it really fast, like do 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 do, because if he played it slowly every time, that'd be like mind-bogglingly be frustrating. Like time. But <laughs> I'm right, though. <laughs> True, there there is a lot of waiting in ocarina, and specifically um, around the ocarina. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah, that's true. Play, play the act of playing the ocarina every yeah. time, and the weird thing is, is they super hung on to that with like Wind Waker and all the other crap, you know, where it's just kind of like, you know, oh, well, clearly the thing that people like is playing musical instruments. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why that became a through line in Zelda, but whatever. Um, but anyways, but the, the fact that when you play it for him, the last time he hears it, it plays the full song and it plays it like at the appropriate speed. I don't know, man. It's just kind of, it, it's, it's just melancholy. It's like, oh, he, 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 he got to hear the song and, and, and he couldn't play it anymore. So he if it's somebody who could use it. Well, it's also one of the few times in the game where you, you have an opportunity to interact with someone who doesn't outrageously benefit you. It doesn't really further the plot. It's just a way for the world to feel richer. And because there aren't a ton of those instances, positive or negative the fact that this one is you basically help a grieving father deal with essentially the loss of his son it is Mm -hmm. i mean it's hard it's heavy like it's a it's a really heavy moment and uh the the fact that that's of the you know four or five side things you can do that involve human beings you know you can you can reunite the dwarves which is super happy you can uh, help the um, the the click and clack the Tappet brothers, you know, with the tree that they cut down or whatever. Um, you you oh, can yeah. bring the mm-hmm. mushroom to the witch and like, and and you get things from all those interactions. Like they're not completely frivolous and and strictly narrative, but you you find out that mute by the sign is apparently a world class thief. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Like you. <laughs> You get things out of these little narrative uh, side tangents, but you typically are helping someone or at least it's neutral, but to go out of their way to include this one that it's like, yeah, not like this guy, this old man, his primary concern is not Ganon. He just like wants to know where his son is. And then when you right. kind of give him that information and, and more or less put him at peace at that point, you could really believe that old man's like, I don't, I lost my son. I'm old. Like, I don't really care yeah. what happens with Ganon now. Like I, I lost my son. Yeah. 
yeah no it's uh yeah like i said like it's just like one of those things where you know you you play through it and you're like oh uh yeah okay that's fine <laughs> it, it, <laughs> sure it's good it, it's, it's good but yeah no and, and and i like the idea that you know you i like the idea the narrative choice of the fact that you are not god you know you do not ubiquitously positively influence the people around you you can't stop save or change everything there are some things that are beyond your capabilities like you are a hero you're going to save hyrule and that's all amazing but you're not god you know and and i think that's an important note to strike well the the scale of kakariko village i always found it's funny if you you scratch too much at that veneer like it peels off pretty quick because this is the village outside of the castle and it's kind of implied that Hyrule is actually more than what you see and for some reason these are the only places in it you need to go but no Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone ever explicitly says that so it wouldn't be unreasonable to assume like oh this is all of Hyrule and these dozen people are all the people in the world like right so it's (laughs) and and again like I don't think that's actually what they're implying but it it can feel that way. And uh, where I think they made an interesting choice is with the two um, townswomen who, when they see you, call the guards. And, oh, and yeah. the the tiny little thing that that does is it takes a very, very small world and makes it feel orders of magnitude larger because everyone you talk to in the world knows you knows of you or literally knows you by name but then these two women just these two random women in town represent this the actual size of the society because they don't know you they don't know you by name they know you by face and they know you by face from wanted posters and so the the fact that they represent an entire part of the kingdom who's like who the hell is link you mean the guy on the wanted posters? Yeah. If I see him, I'm calling the guards. And and that it just it yeah. makes a very very tiny little village in a tiny little map feel more expansive because it's like, oh, there's people who don't know me. Not everyone is my friend. Not everyone is trying to help me. Well, and I think it's one of those like minor things that kind of like snaps the player to attention because like you just like you said, you know, you you go into Kakariko Village, the the music is very calming and soothing, you know. And you, most of the people you're talking to are like trying to help you out, or like some of them have like quest items and things like that. And then you, know, you just go up to one person, and they're like, "Help, guards!" And you're like, "Oh, what?" And then all of a sudden, you like they run inside, music changes, guards come out, you know, like, and all of a sudden it just snaps you to remembering. It's like, remember, you're on the wrong side of the law, you know, like just remember that, you know, like not everybody. And the fact is, just it's random at that point, as far as you know, it's like. You, you don't want to just like go around chatting everybody up. You're the outside law. So then like there's a little bit more caution and hesitation when you talk to people like Are you, you're cool, right? <laughs> like you're not going to call the police, right? You know, like, are we, are we cool? You know, it just adds that little layer of suspicion, which like you said, like helps grow the world and helps reinforce the storyline, you know, in a very, uh, I think a very meaningful Absolutely. way. So I think at this point, uh, 
you know, we we, we got to do it. We got to we got to we got to do the thing that we do at the end. Um, oh, oh no, I didn't think it held up. This game. Yeah. Uh, no, but okay, so. <laughs> so we yes obviously we both loved it it's continues to be one of my favorite games ever made um i i replayed this because this is a thing that we did but i will probably replay this again in like the next year and a half like just i mean it's just a good yeah. game um what i love to focus on in a case like this where we we both feel this is an unequivocal success no nostalgia goggles required is uh, is this truly no nostalgia goggles across the board? Would you recommend this to someone who's never played a Zelda? And then would you even go so far as to recommend this to someone who is maybe not much of a gamer? Um, I'm trying to think of somebody who I wouldn't recommend this to. Um, I would probably be a little loath to recommend this to somebody who enjoys deeply narrative experiences which is not to say that the narrative is lacking from legend of zelda it's 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 stronger it's certainly stronger than it was in the preceding titles um however for somebody who like let's let's juxtapose it to like a game like the last of us right the story is more removed and there is a long amount of time that goes between story set pieces so if you're in this, the game just for the story, like that's what you came here to play, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into getting the next drop of the story. Um, so if you don't enjoy puzzle gameplay, if you don't enjoy role-playing gameplay, if you don't enjoy really any of that stuff, if you just really like incredibly strong like adventure games, that would be the only real group of people I would be hesitant to recommend it to. Aside from that, though, I can't really think of anybody who where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm even for people who are looking to get into video games, you know, I'd be like, this is a great one. It, it gave, like we said, the, the first dungeon does a great job teaching you. They do a great job like scaling what it is that you're working with. The it, user interface is very intuitive. Um, so even as a first game, I recommend this. yeah, I mean, it's been, yeah, exactly. I was like, I think this is even a great first gaming experience. But yeah, I think that. For people who are like, I like The Last of Us or This Strange Life, you know, like games like that, I'd be like, well, it's not a bad game, but maybe not directly up your alley. So I, you know? I think the, I think you're probably right, right? For somebody who's like, ah, oh, nah, man, all all I play is Madden and Call of Bro Duty, Halo 47, right? Like if, if that's, if they're like, those are the only kinds of games that I like and whatever kind of game I like is not what this game is, then generally speaking, I would say yes. Um, that being said, if I was in a circumstance where I was like trying to make the things I like into things other people like, and I'm like, no, no, this genre of game is a game that you could enjoy. And if you need a good example, here's the one you should dedicate your 15 hours to I this would probably be high on that list, right? If I was if I was looking for a game to make someone give this genre the respect it deserves when it's done well, Link to the Past, there's a really good chance that that would be in like the top 5 and two of the other games that would be up there would be like uh Link Between Worlds, which is also just like this game and and Breath <laughs> of the Wild, which is also a Zelda game. So like if I was trying to pull somebody into like narrative rich 
but a lot of projection and reflection. You're not just being fed story constantly. You're not reading a book. It's not Final Fantasy, you know? Like, it's it's just not, and and it shouldn't be. Um, the This game and, right. and the two games that are most like it in kind, um, I think would be really high in the ones where I'd be like, oh, you didn't like the last whatever dumb adventure RPG you played, maybe you should play Link to the Past. Maybe this, if if you don't like Link to the Past, then maybe you really just don't like this genre of game. Right, but Link to the Past would be a great Hail Mary. <laughs> I mean, as far as like, you know, like, look, if anything's going to land, it's 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 going to be this game. But man, I just, I got to say, we did it. We played this game. We did it. So, Ocarina of Time next? No.